0: So we're going to have um, a series of podcasts where I'm going to do some interviewing of Crystal around various yoga practices, things that instructors see often in their classes that they maybe don't really know how to answer the questions around, um, and just different parts of the body that often give people issue.
1: You're listening to Anatomy for Life with Crystal and Nicole, where we discuss the anatomy behind most popular physical and spiritual practices so you can get the most out of these modalities on your healing journey. Welcome to Anatomy for Life. I'm Crystal. And I'm Nicole. We're so glad to have you join us today. We're going to go ahead and tune in for just about 20 seconds this morning. Close your eyes if you're in a place that's safe to do so. Breathe in through your nose. Exhale through your mouth. Breathing through your mouth. Exhale through your nose. Breathing through your nose. Exhale through your nose. Breathe in through your mouth. Exhale through your mouth.
0: Thank you for that. In the day. <laughs> that's <what> that's <laughs> one today. So um, for today's, I want to ask you, Crystal, what is the most common body part that you get questions about when you're teaching or even that instructors ask you about whenever you're doing um, teacher-led courses? I love that. I think that's
1: such a great question because I feel like we're in a unique position, kind of like, how doctors can tell you if the cold is going around or something. I feel like yoga instructors and fitness instructors in general are in a unique position to kind of take a poll of the community and see what's going on physically. And I would definitely answer that with the hips. And I've definitely heard that echoed with a lot of my instructors as well. So there's a lot of reasons why we've speculated What is going on with the hips? That's the number one request we get in class to stretch, to strengthen, to support. One thing is there's a lot of women in yoga classes, and a lot of times they are going through cycles of childbirth. So it's reapproaching the stability and the structure of the hips every time. So that would make a lot of sense. And another reason I think that is a big thing is because the dynamic structure of our hips anatomically is pretty complex. Why is that? Like, Why do you think it's such a
0: complex area?
1: Well, I think it's the part in our body that accounts for all of our movement and our balance. Like as a baby develops, right? You're sort of starting developing through the primary and secondary parts of your spine, but you have to be able to balance on the hips to sit up. And then you have to be able to crawl to get that natural curvature and strength in the hips so that you can then go ahead and walk. So it's really important that the hips that the hips, I'll say that again. It's really important that the hips develop in a natural and balanced way to begin recruiting all the muscles of the deep tummy, the pelvic floor, the outer hips in relationship to each other so that they can account for the dynamic movement that is never even. Right, It's in walking, it's in jumping, it's in sitting, and it kind of builds the foundation and structure for the rest of the body, including the spine, and how it's going to posture itself. So it's very complex at the pelvic floor in the fact that muscles are running in multiple different directions, and they're also supporting structures and openings right in the middle of it. Right, that would be hard if you had a structure like that. How do I stabilize this? You know, sometimes I imagine I could like wrap strings in all different directions, you know, like a science experiment where they're like, How do you build this box so the egg doesn't break when we drop it off the top of the building? You know, I I think in that way, like, how do I stabilize all the dynamic movement of the legs having to turn out and in and up and down and do it unevenly? And and it would make a lot of sense to have muscles running in multiple different directions and transferring information inside the pelvic girdle and outside the pelvic girdle as well as the front and back of the structure just above it, your abdomen, right? Which makes a lot of sense. So I guess anatomically, one thing I wanna point out for my fellow anatomy nerds who follow me (laughs) is that when I started creating my curriculums, I started including your piriformis muscle in the pelvic floor anatomy and learning about it that way because a lot of us think of the piriformis as the outer hip muscle or the walking muscle like it lifts and sort of externally rotates your femur bone a little bit but it innervates your pelvic floor it comes anterior to your sacrum and it has fascia transference there so anything that's happening in your outer hip is going to affect your pelvic floor and vice versa and so we need to start looking, you know, dynamically and relationship-wise in this area of the body to be figuring out the injuries, the atrophy, the
0: soreness, the immobility. So, for yoga instructors, what I gather is that it's beyond important, really, that you don't just look at it as this one area. Like, you have to think about the whole dynamic area, the pelvic floor, everything all incorporated together, so that you're cueing in a way that effectively helps your students.
1: Totally, and practicing in that way because it's so common, especially through the last, I don't know, 10 years? Well, let me just say the first 10 years I practiced yoga that I would see a problem and I would go after it one muscle at a time. Like I would stretch in pigeon pose to do this one hip stretch where I was sore over and over and over for a lot of time in a row thinking I, this is how I'm healing this thing. But as my understanding and knowledge and anatomy has evolved, I understand that probably I was doing the exact opposite is what I needed to do. And you need to look at the relationship and the balance and stability. And oftentimes if it's my outer hip that's sore, it's my inner hip that needs the stretching and my outer hip that needs the strength. So there's this cool balance there. Um, and I also think that maybe the things that we're doing sitting in chairs all the time you no know, i know <laughs> and the sports that we're doing and the way we're participating in things and the way we're working and holding our bodies all of that is something that is contributing to hip degeneration and the lack of hip health It's just the way we're moving in general in our lives but there are also energetic properties and things that go on that can affect specific areas of the body so we've kind of got a double header or we've got two things working against us which is I think why we're getting the most requests for hips our lifestyles working against us for hip health and fear and lack mindset
0: are affecting the hip joint energetically oh my gosh I love that so much and I feel like that having the energetic conversation could be and probably will be an entire other podcast um because yeah. there's just so much to uncover with that but one thing I loved about what you said and and the way that you approach it now even as you've helped me through some of my injuries and different things that I've had going on um I I've realized that okay well this is something that I have to really turn into a practice. Because it does take a different mindset to not just focus on the one, like you said, in pigeon pose, just stretching the one side. Like, okay, now I need to, to firm in my, you know, my, for my, my stomach muscles, but whatever it is, bring everything forward or backwards. And so it takes a lot of practice. And so I think the consistency of that is key, especially as instructors so that. You can recognize what's going on in your student's body. Oh, I love that! I love that you said that. Like you, you definitely understand. I appreciate you
1: bringing that back to my memory because you're right. It's not just like a one and done fix thing, but it's a, it's integrating and incorporating it on a consistent basis. So one thing I do want to make sure and talk about because I think it'll be so beneficial is that if you can think of your hips as free flowing, the the more free they can be. And we understand that discipline and structure and strength also correlates to freedom, right? So if you can have things in a balanced and a strong and integrated way, you can also be free. So that applies anatomically and that applies energetically. So what happens in your second chakra or the hips are your emotions, And so we can't rate it on good emotions are a 10 and bad emotions are a one. How the scale works in your hips or your second chakra is your ability to feel and allow and process full range of emotions is a 10. So that could be your ability to process and feel and let things move through your body and your energetic understanding, anger, jealousy, lack, joy, gratitude, there it's the same it doesn't matter what emotion it is it's your ability to flow it through your body and feel it is how we measure health of the second chakra and the ability or the lack of the ability to do that is a poor second chakra health meaning if if it's repression or avoidance or fear or a lack, then that would be poor second chakra health. And it directly correlates to your anatomical health. So you can go back and forth to looking at periods of your life when you were really flexible in your hips. And it can go either way. You could be over-flexible, you could be over emotive, right? Or over-expressive and not pulling things into boundaries or things that are integrated and balanced for you. You could be excessive or you could be lacking, right? So it could go either way and what we're looking for there is balance and integration. So when you think of a time when you're equally strong and as or flexible, like I know you were a cheerleader. So there's probably times in your career where you could feel that your emotional health directly had a direct had a direct proportional relationship to your skills and your cheerability, like when you felt the best and you were free and you were a teenager and you were in love or you had you know a great group of friends, you probably noticed that your cheerability and your tumbling and your stunts probably felt strong and integrated and consistent, right? Yes. And I've also noticed times in my life where I felt really emotionally depleted or constipated or I have had very fearful periods of time in my life. And those are equally correlated to the places where I could not do frog pose or my low back hurt or the way I was walking was affected. And so your second chakra and your hips cannot be taken apart and so especially when I teach, I'm always making sure that I'm addressing your anatomical structure relationship as a whole, but also the energetics and being gentle and compassionate too. This is going to feel like fear to move in this way. And, and we, want to, we want to move towards that and look at that in a gentle,
0: compassionate, safe space as well when you're practicing. Oh my gosh, that I just love that so much because I know you and I've had a lot of conversations over the years where you've told me, you know, when you've done therapy for people who have been through deep trauma or going through addiction recovery or whatever it may be, that sometimes, you know what might be a simple, wonderful feeling pose to someone else, that you've had people even get up and walk out of your class because they don't understand. That emotional connection that was going on, like Sadie, why are you doing this to me? Like, what's happening? Yeah. And so I love that bringing that in and actually giving them that space to say it's okay if this feels this way or you you gather this emotion as we're working this area because they may not understand and probably most likely won't understand. Like, why am I suddenly feeling this?
1: Yeah, and I just want to leave on this note a really funny antidote because after my third baby, I actually had a lot of problems in, in the hips, which were physical and emotional and circumstantial for me. And I know you, you know what was going on in my life at that point, but I was going back to my advanced teacher and she knows what was going on in my life at that point. And, and I could not do frog pose, could not do the straddles. I actually couldn't do cow facing pose either. And I was like pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And I was so upset that I had lost all these abilities and things. And this went on for about a year, which is really frustrating and I just had to accept it. And then I had moved into a period of um, some different kinds of therapies, like emotional therapy and shadow work and cognitive therapy. And I had turned my attention to that for about three or four months. And during this period of time, I was not able to practice as much. So it made no sense and I was kind of laughing because I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back to yoga. I think it had been almost four months that I had been in a yoga class and I just went back to my advanced yoga teacher. Um, and I, we got to the point in class where it was time for hips. And i had not practiced so there was no physical reason why i should be any better than the last time i left but i had been doing emotional work during that period of time and i was just as surprised as she was and we did straddles and i threw both legs out to so the left and right into straddles and i dropped my belly and my chin all the way on the floor and i grabbed my pig toes and she looked at me and she was like wow you've been doing some hip work and i was like in a way holy cow, but my body responded. So anyways, thanks for joining us for that little, the little thought and conversation about the hips. I mean, we wanted to throw that out there because um, we're doing in a couple weeks, uh, it will be hip day on in my anatomy course for the people who are signed up for that. And so it was
0: fresh on our mind. So I appreciate you yeah, asking if, about if that. If you're interested in... Um, I mean, we're always putting out different freebies and different um, helps for yoga instructors. And so if you're interested at all in any of this information, follow us at zen, Z-I-N-N, yoga on Instagram, but go to our website, zenyoga.com. There's a couple different places on there where it says, you know, you can sign up to be notified when there's any new courses, but we'll also... know occasionally send you super helpful information some amazing freebies just different things that can help support you thank you let's do we'll do it on the hips so follow us
1: for that and that is a little bit of of things that i am putting in the anatomy of the chakras curriculum for each area of, of the body we'll dive deep in that so think about that let us know in the comments if you had some realizations for yourself or for your students and if that's helpful and if there's a practice you want me to share for that in particular I don't just want to spout things and leave you guys hanging so I have very particular I have methods I have practices I have ideas and I would love to share those with you so just go ahead and reach out thank you thank you